Hello and welcome to another episode of the Word of Mouth podcast. I'm your host, Michael Horn, and I am with an amazing guest today, as usual, Anna Komoromi. I say Komoromi. And she is a traveling nurse, and she is a wonderful guest for another episode of the Word of Mouth podcast. And so it's good to be with you again. I just want to remind all of our listeners that if you want to stay up to date on all of the episodes for the Word of Mouth podcast, you can check us out on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or any other podcast app. If you just search for the Archdiocese of St. Louis, you can find us there. And once you've subscribed, you can make sure to rate us and to share us with all of your friends. And so you can catch up with the many previous episodes that have occurred and Anna Kamaromi's story that we'll hear today. It's a beautiful story. As I mentioned, she's a traveling nurse, and she has a lot of insights and wisdom to share with us today. So, Anna, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank good, you. good, good. Thanks for being with me and taking time out of your busy schedule to do this interview. I just would love it if you could talk a little bit to our audience about yourself, about your faith journey, kind of your interests and background. So as, as much or as little as you want. Okay. Yeah. Sounds good. <laughs> sure. Well, I am a traveling nurse, like you said. I've been doing that for about two years, and I'm originally from Jefferson City, Missouri, so just about two hours west of here, and I'm 28. I am one of seven kids, the second oldest of seven, and grew up on a farm in Jeff City. My family is one of the most important parts of my life, my parents did such a great job of raising us with good values and our faith and my siblings are some of my closest friends, which is great. And growing up on a farm, I love being outside, love working with the dirt <laughs> and getting my hands dirty and being active. And then let's see, some of my interests. I enjoy hiking. I obviously love traveling as a traveling nurse. <laughs> and have been blessed to be all over the United States through work and then also just with different trips and have also gotten to go to a few different countries as well. I was raised Catholic and was homeschooled starting when I was in sixth grade. And I would say that that was really when I learned the importance of being Catholic and grew in my faith and really developed a faith. And that's when God claimed my heart, in a sense, and drew me to himself. And I feel so blessed that my parents made that decision because I wouldn't be the person that I am today without that. And I would have definitely been on a very different path had I not been homeschooled. So it's not the best option for everyone, but it was for us. And I'm so grateful. And I've been working as a traveling nurse for two years. Before that, I worked in Kansas City for a couple of years. And then previous to that, I did work in Jefferson City for a little while also. Mm -hmm. So I've been a nurse for about seven years. Okay. Awesome. And Mm -hmm. I also know that you're a pretty talented musician. Can you talk to our listeners a little bit about what your talents are with music and sort of your involvement, I guess, in various ministries and parishes with music? Sure. I play the piano Mm -hmm. as well as organ and violin. And so through that, 
at home, my sisters and I kind of had our own family choir, as we like to say. And we still do music together at our home parish for Christmas and Easter and whenever we're home together and have the opportunity. And so I sing with my sisters doing that as well as play the organ whenever we do music for Mass. And I've also been blessed to be in different scolas and choirs in different places where I've gone to do travel nursing specifically, but also when I lived in Kansas City. And then here in St. Louis, I have joined a couple of friends to form a band, and we do cover songs and just fun music together, which is great. And it's also been a good way for me to get my violin back out and start playing. So excellent. Good. And so you talked about how in sixth grade that there was this, not necessarily a crazy moment, but you really started to take ownership of your faith and realize the beauty of your Catholic family and the beauty of the Catholic faith. Can you just talk a little bit about your spirituality as that moment and that that time of your life has progressed to now? Just what has been maybe, how would you describe your spirituality and how have you encountered the Lord in different ways? How has he spoken to you? Okay, sure. Yes, when I was in sixth grade is really when I found faith or it found me. (laughs) And it was through the Catholic education that my parents gave to me and my siblings through homeschooling and then, and learning about the saints And through their example and through my parents' direction, I also started to develop a love for the Eucharist. And that's through Eucharistic adoration and through the Eucharist, God has really drawn my heart in a lot of ways. And I have learned the importance of silence and the beauty of silence. And so it's been a beautiful journey. It's been a journey. I wouldn't say there was necessarily one specific instance where God spoke to me, but I often feel that he does speak to me in the silence and through the Eucharist, but then also through time that I spend outside and when I go hiking or when I've been able to go on pilgrimages. And I would say that He has spoken to me a lot through the examples of the saints as well, and specifically St. Therese, who is my confirmation saint. I've learned so much about doing little things for God through her example and then also the example of Mother Teresa and just how the beauty of little acts of love, because I don't feel capable at all of doing wonderfully amazing things, but I can do little things and I can live my life for God through my daily actions and through loving the people that are in front of me. Sure. That's beautiful. And as we wrap up this first part about your faith journey and your interests and such, you were just recently in the Holy Land, so you mentioned the pilgrimage. Could you talk a little bit about the Holy Land? I'm sure you could talk days about (laughs) it, but what would you say, maybe a couple highlights of it, some powerful experiences that you had while you're in the Holy Land? Absolutely. I was very blessed to go to the Holy Land, which was a dream of mine for a long time. And a year ago, the opportunity presented itself, God opened that door, and so I was able to go. I really loved being able to be in the places where Jesus walked and to get to experience the place where he lived and spent his time on earth. And one of the biggest graces of the trip was getting to spend the night in the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, which is something that I had been praying for 
since signing up for the trip, but wasn't sure I was going to get it because there is such a limited amount of space for people to be able to do that. And they only let in about 14 people per night to get into the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. And the rules of staying there overnight are that you cannot sleep, you can't sing, and you can't light candles. You can't lay down either going with the sleep thing. And so anyway, the group that I was in was about 100 people. And so I had no idea how it was going to work out that I would get to go into the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. But God provided. And after they had put all of our names into a basket of those who wanted to be able to go in, we were only granted one night to get into the church. And they picked my name out after praying over it. And I was the 12th out of 14 chosen to go in, which was amazing that God was just reminding me of his love and of his attention to detail, I guess, and how he always wants to take care of me and grant desires that I have to a certain extent. And it was such a beautiful experience. It was like time stood still, and yet it flew by while we were in there. And it was an amazing opportunity to get to hold vigil Mm -hmm. with Christ in the places where he died and then rose. And that is something that has always been very close to my heart is holding vigil and kind of keeping watch for Jesus and praying and waiting. It was so wonderful to get to do that in the place where he did that Mm -hmm. and to console him in a sense there, but also feel his consolation. And it was, yeah, it was wonderful. And then it taught me so much as well. I felt like God spoke to me very much there in how to just keep fighting the good fight in a sense that I had no idea how I was going to stay awake overnight without being able to sleep. And he provided the grace one hour at a time. And then the next day, whenever we didn't get a nap, we still had to go the rest of the day. And it was a full day of touring. He provided, but kept reminding me one hour at a time, actual grace. To me, it was very pertinent to life and that we can't always know what's coming ahead. And a lot of times God will give us the grace, but only in the moment. Amen. That's that's powerful. Yeah, I have not been to the Holy Land yet, so that is something <laughs> that I definitely hope to do at some point. That's so so beautiful, and what an opportunity to spend the night in the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. Yes. So, I mean, we've been through a lot of blessings and challenges in our own lives, no matter how short or long they are, and I'm just interested to hear some of the blessings you've experienced in your own life and the challenges that you, you have faced and or are facing currently. Sure. I would say that... Blessings that I've had, which has also turned out to be challenges, kind of going back to my experience at the Church of the Holy Sepulchre and through my pilgrimage, is that constantly God reminds me to have patience and trust. And through that, he has shown me over and over again how well he takes care of me. For instance, through travel nursing, it has been such a blessing to do it. And every time that it comes time to find a new job, and decide where to go next. It's a little frustrating, or shall I say, 
can mm-hmm. be a time of anxiety because I don't always know where I'm going next or if I'm going to have a job. But God always provides. And along my journey, he has provided amazing people for me to live with, such as here in St. Louis. One of my good friends, Kelly, who was on the podcast mm-hmm. recently, she was kind enough to open her apartment to me, and we've become great friends through that. And I've gotten to live with amazing people and experience really wonderful community since I've been doing travel nursing. And that wasn't always the case when I lived in Kansas City. Even though it was a wonderful time, it was also very trying because I just couldn't find my niche of friends and community at home and then also just on a consistent basis. I have found that in travel nursing or been given that, been blessed with that, and especially here in St. Louis. And so, yeah, I would say that those are both challenges and blessings because I've learned the beauty of patience and also trust. But it's been through experiencing times where that's been asked of me. Mm -hmm. Amen. I'm always intrigued, and I'm glad you did the same thing. A lot of people that I have on the podcast as guests they talk about blessings and challenges, and often they're integrated in some way, and that's the Christian life, is it not? It's mm-hmm. it's death and resurrection and those clashing things, but then there's also it's just blessings and challenges, how you would see something that was very difficult, but then it turns out to be a great blessing as well. And so there's it's interesting how that works many times in our lives. So thank you for sharing those as well. On to vocation, mission, purpose. So I know that's a rich question, a lot (laughs) lot of information there about your vocation, about what you feel called to do in your life and your purpose, your mission, how you find meaning. So first of all, I feel that my vocation is to become a saint, Mm -hmm. obviously. And within that, I do feel called to marriage and having a family. God has not provided that yet, but I'm being patient and trusting Mm -hmm. (laughs) that he will. And yeah, I feel that he's definitely leading me in that direction, but haven't gotten there yet. But in the meantime, and through my work, I feel very able and called to live out my vocation of becoming a saint and becoming holy, because I can, especially through being a nurse, I'm so blessed that I get to serve people on a day-to-day basis. And I get to be with people when they need it the most often. I often see that with from my coworkers as well as my patients. And it's wonderful to be able to be with people when they need it the most. And I love being active and working with people and working with my hands. And so nursing works really well for me in that way. But also I really feel that I'm given the opportunity every day to love Jesus through my patients and through my coworkers and then to bring him to them. And that is a way right now that I'm able to live out my sanctification in a sense and learning and growing through those challenges that come up every day. Excellent. Okay. And then finally, in this opening segment, the question, what is evangelization? What does that mean to you? What does it mean to evangelize? To me, evangelizing is to bring Christ to others and to the world. To do that, I think we need to do it one person at a time. 
Also, I heard in a talk that I went to one time that Pope Francis said that one of the biggest ways of evangelizing is through joy. And that really resonated with me because that is another blessing that God has given me is joy and the ability to be joyful consistently. And so I think that also it is through joy that I specifically am able to bring Christ to others. And and then in being joyful to love them. And I think that that is a big part of evangelization as well as loving people where they are and meeting them where they are and showing them love and authentic friendship because that's, especially in our world today, that's very needed. Mm-hmm. Amen. Authentic friendship. Absolutely. Well, thank you for your thoughts on those opening questions. I'm just going to transition into the catechetical segment of our podcast for this episode. And so Anna touched briefly on the pilgrimage that she took to the Holy Land. And so I'm just going to talk a little bit about the pilgrimage and its meaning in our lives as Catholic Christians. So pilgrimage is a part of many of the great religions of the world, and it often seeks answers to the perpetual questions of our human hearts. So we might define a pilgrimage as a common human experience in which we seek to fulfill a ritual obligation, perform an act of devotion to atone for our sins, to experience some aspect of spirituality, or to implore a grace, a miracle, a cure, etc. And so there's many destinations that we find in the world for pilgrimages. Today, especially like Anna mentioned, Jerusalem for Jews and Christians, Mecca for Muslims, Sarnath for Buddhists, and Benares for the Hindus in Asia. And so we can see that a pilgrimage really is a metaphorical image for our lives in many ways. And so we're all on this journey heavenward or homeward, however we would like to see that, as we return to our source who is God. And so pilgrimage is shown to us in Scripture, first in the Old Testament. So in Genesis, God specifically calls Abram to trust him and to leave his country, to come into God's land, where he will inherit the promises of God that will make his innumerable descendants into a great nation. And so Anna mentioned as well patience and trust, and patience and trust were certainly found in Abraham as he was called by God to trust him, to leave his country, and to listen to the promises that he had been given by God. And then there's later reference to this same passage in Hebrews 11, the author of the letter of the Hebrews. I would think it's Paul, but some might disagree with me. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was to go. But by faith he sojourned into the promised land as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and maker is God. And so the letter to the Hebrews mentions that again, the faith of Abraham, and as he was being led by God to a land as an heir, and how he had to walk by faith and not necessarily by sight during that time. Also in the Old Testament, 15 of the Psalms were written specifically for pilgrimage to Jerusalem. So the Psalms 120 through 134 all touch on this theme as well, and they're called the Psalms of Ascent, as the Jews would climb the steep grade up to Jerusalem, which was known as the city on the hill. So the prophet Micah says, Many nations shall come and say, Come, let us climb the Lord's mountain to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may instruct us in his ways, that we may walk in his paths. And finally, in the Old Testament, the Exodus, Moses leads the Israelites out of Egypt through the desert, through the trials, the temptations, and sin, ever journeying toward the promised land. So this idea, again, of pilgrimage, this exodus, this going out, this traveling 
in search of God and in search of proper worship and a return to our true, authentic homeland. And then we also see this in the New Testament scriptures as well, the idea of pilgrimage. So the Magi, or the astrologers, according to some texts, are pilgrims who appear in the Gospel of Matthew after the birth of Christ. And as the text says, Behold, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star at its rising and have come to do him homage. Pope Benedict XVI wrote in Volume 3 of Jesus of Nazareth on this same passage that the wise men of the East represent the setting out of humanity towards Christ. They inaugurate a procession through the whole history. They're not only the people who have found the way to Christ, they represent the interior desire of the human spirit, the encountering of religions and the human reason with Christ. And so it's intrinsic to our nature as human beings as we have this desire deep within us for journeying out to meet our Lord, just as the Magi from the East did. So it's a beautiful representation of our pilgrimage again on earth. And also we see a pilgrimage taken by the Holy Family, by, by Mary and Joseph with the child Jesus. And so the text from Luke 2, 41 through 42 reads, Each year his parents went to Jerusalem for the feast of Passover, and when he was 12 years old, they went up according to the festival custom. And so at this time, the 12-year-old Jesus stays behind in the temple unbeknownst to his parents, and he speaks of his father with the scholars of the law. And so that's a great witness as well, again, to the command that Mary and Joseph fulfill, um, taking their son to Jerusalem for the feast in honor of that traditional custom. And then later, as Jesus begins his public ministry, it unfolds as a pilgrimage back to Jerusalem himself along the roads of Palestine. So the passion and death of Christ show that The struggles that we face now, the trials, the sufferings, the worries, the anxiety, can be sacrifices of praise as we journey towards salvation. And so Jesus himself goes back on his journey to the cross and to his passion to Jerusalem, to the Holy Land. Missionary journeys of the apostles in the Acts of the Apostles are also found, as well as just our tradition as Catholics. We see that many apostles went out to spread the gospel as another example of pilgrimage, as another example of evangelization. And so after their martyrdoms, their tombs became places that were venerated by the ancient Christians, especially Saints Peter and Paul in Rome. And so these tombs became pilgrimage sites for many of the early Christians who would go to pay homage to these saints and to ask for their intercession and to understand, like I mentioned at the beginning, just that there was some sort of grace that they believed that they could obtain, or whether it was for atonement for sins, repentance, whatever it might be, there was a spiritual purpose behind their pilgrimage. And then finally, in the book of Revelation, St. John writes and reminds the faithful that our life on the earthly terrain is just a temporary state, and that it's not until we get closer to the end that God shows himself to us. And so it's on this again, heavenly journey toward our heavenly homeland. And so we, we, we are here on earth, but we desire to be ever closer to God and the end that he has envisioned for us as we return to him and enter into a vision face-to-face with him. And also just a couple reflections on pilgrimage throughout history and not necessarily in the context of scripture. So we see many churches and shrines as pilgrimage sites throughout history. And there's a wonderful travel diary that's called Ageria's Travels, a very early document written in the early 5th century that documents the practice of pilgrimage to sites associated with Christ's life, uh, many places. Rome, from the beginning, has become an important destination for medieval pilgrims and remains so to this day. Many people, many Catholics, Christians throughout the world go to Rome. 
Santiago de Compostela in northwestern Spain is a famous site where pilgrims walk along the famous Camino, and they see the relics of St. James the Greater and venerate them at the church there. Also from medieval times, indulgences were given for pilgrimages. So the early crusaders who departed to the Holy Land with arms to protect pilgrims, they, they were given these indulgences for these good virtuous deeds. And then finally, there are many sanctuaries today that commemorate apparitions or miraculous events that have occurred or other spiritual or historically relevant sites to the lives of the saints. And so a couple of these examples, especially with the Marian shrines, are Loretto in Italy, where the Holy House of Nazareth is kept, Lourdes in France, where the Virgin Mary appeared to St. Bernadette, and many experience physical healing there today at Lourdes, Fatima in Portugal, where apparitions to three shepherd children occurred, the Basilica of Our Lady of Guadalupe in Mexico is an enormous pilgrimage site, and then the Shrine of Aparecida in Brazil. And here in our own country, in Washington, D.C., in the United States, the Basilica of the National Shrine of the Immaculate Conception. So we have these wonderful pilgrimage sites throughout the world today that commemorate various lives of the saints or important events in the life of Christ or the Blessed Mother. There are a lot of spiritual fruits that can be born from these pilgrimages, and I'm sure Anna is reaping those as well even to this moment. And I'm just going to conclude the catechesis with mentioning these fruits of a pilgrimage that one might take. So the pilgrims have sometimes been willing to forgo many sorts of comforts, and in Anna's case it was sleep in the (laughs) Church of the (laughs) Holy Sepulchre, along long, long roads that are full of dangers. And so they place this great importance on silence and prayer and becoming comfortable with being uncomfortable. And so to experience something different, pilgrims must be different and live differently in the simplicity of their faith. Otherwise, the pilgrimage does not contribute to real change. And so we have to make the distinction between a mere vacation and a pilgrimage. And so one goes on a pilgrimage to ask God for help needed to live more generously his or her own Christian vocation once they return home. And then finally, we are not just on a journey to a place of religious interest. There's also a physical component in turning our hearts towards God. And so it's certainly a journey, and certainly there might be long miles involved, but it's also a turn of the heart as well. And so it's physical and spiritual. And so this beautiful both and, another both and of Catholicism, as we journey physically toward a place, and we also direct our spirits, our hearts, minds, and souls to God as we journey in search of our heavenly homeland again while we experience glimpses on this earth as well. And so that's the catechesis for today, just looking at the idea of pilgrimage. And I just encourage all of our listeners to continue praying about taking a pilgrimage if you haven't done one yet to any of the various shrines or sites of Marian apparitions, the Holy Land, Rome, the Eternal City, whatever place you're, you're feeling called to go, if you can make it work, I encourage you to take a pilgrimage. And we'll wrap up today um, with all these reflections on pilgrimage and patience and trust and the beauty and the crazy reality of being a travel nurse and how beautiful that vocation is. Um, Just want to conclude with Anna's thoughts on practical tips for evangelization for our listeners today. Yes. I would say, first of all, to evangelize or in evangelizing is to be joyful and bring that joy to others that you encounter on a day-to-day basis because joy draws people to what you love and who you love. It draws people to God. And along those lines, also 
is I would say, let God love you, because only through being filled by God can we bring his love to others. And so we have to have a full glass in order to be able to pour ourselves out. And so let let God love you so that his love can then be poured out of you to the world. And then I would also say be authentic with people and let them know that you're truly interested in them and be real with people and seek to form friendships with people. We don't need to spout out apologetics and doctrines and catechesis to people in order to evangelize. Most of the time, the best way to reach people is to first form friendships and relationships with them so that they trust us. And so that if the opportunity presents itself, then we can share our relationship with God or catechesis or doctrine if the need arises, but they will still see God and see his love if we love them authentically and just develop friendships. Amen. Thank you so much for that excellent advice, and that's very central to what our Pope has talked about continually, authentic friendship. I'm glad you hit, hit on that again, just the idea of building real relationships with people and just kind of establishing some sort of common ground and just having common courtesy and respect and growing authentically and being real. Like you said, it's super powerful for our efforts of evangelization. And then joy is huge as well, like you said. And so thank you so much, Anna, for being with us today. Uh, It's a delight to have you on the show, and thank you for your story. And I just want to close by reminding our listeners one more time, if you're not familiar with the Word of Mouth podcast, you can find it on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or any other podcast app. If you just search for the Archdiocese of St. Louis, and then you'll find us under there under word of mouth. And once you've subscribed, please make sure that you rate us and share us with all of your friends. And I hope that this evangelization podcast is continuing to help you in your own spiritual journey as you go forward. And it's great to have real, authentic individuals sharing their stories about faith and evangelization, how they live their faith in a secular world today. And so uh, we just want to continue to bring you their stories and the joy and light of Christ that they have. And so Until next time, uh, may God bless you. Thanks.